Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today we are covering Extreme Rules 2020, the horror show, if you will. Uh, man, that's going to be uh, going to be something to talk about for sure. Uh, but as we always do, let's talk about last week's episode. Um, obviously, we're having the happy hour. Uh, it seems to be one of our top-rated episodes. You guys really enjoy it when me and the KG cast Lush get together and uh, and have a few beers and uh, you know kind of break each other down as far as uh, with trivia questions and it always seems like a good time. But let's address the elephant in the room. Um, the KG cast Lush is not going to be joining us for the current event pay-per-views anymore. Uh, he's just slammed with work. He's just There's just too much for him to have to do. So um, instead of having Cass on every week, what we're going to do is we're going to essentially just change up the format. Uh, once a month, there is always a current pay-per-view, whether it's AEW or WWE or, um, or whatever. Um, so I will be covering those solo from here on out. Um, you know, if Cass, you know, if, if something crazy happens, like, let's say it's a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam and there's a match that he really wants to see, or if he really wants to watch the show and jump back on and do it the old style, he can, he's more than welcome to do that. We might actually have some guests come on, um, to kind of fill the KG cast role for the bigger pay-per-views, like maybe SummerSlam, WrestleMania, uh, Royal Rumble, those, those, those kind of pay-per-views. But, um, up until uh, other than that, it's going to be just me uh, doing the current pay-per-views every month. Um, now, um, out of the four weeks in a month, the current pay-per-view will be one week. Uh, the another week, instead of doing nostalgia show that me and Cass would break down and do it similar to where we do a current event pay-per-view or a current product pay-per-view, rather. Um, I'm going to be doing watch alongs. So, um, I actually got a request from a fan on, um, Facebook to do a watch along for, or a review for, um, a superstars episode from 1992. So actually that's what I'm going to be doing next week is a watch along for, I believe it was August of 1992. Um, but yeah, just be on the lookout for that in your news and your, uh, your podcast feed. Um, you will not miss a week without hearing my beautiful, beautiful voice. Um, so that'll cover two weeks out of, of the month. And then the thir- third week out of the month will be the pop culture episodes that we have been trying to bring back. Um, again, Cass has just been too busy to be able to do some of them. So what I'm going to do for the pop culture episodes is I'm going to have different guests on um, once a month to do a pop culture episode once a month. So um, this month, or I guess the month of August, uh, we're going to be covering video games coming out in 2020. Um, a buddy of mine, his name is Justin Moser. He's going to join me for that podcast episode, and we're going to discuss... Uh, he's a PC gamer. I'm an Xbox guy. Uh, we're going to be discussing pretty much um, the Xbox exclusive, um, the world premiere stuff that they just did this past week as far as Infinite, uh, Halo Infinite, and um, I believe they showed a new Fable game on there as well. Um, there's some other stuff that we're going to cover in that pop culture episode. And then the last week of every month, this is where you will still get to hang out with the KG Cast. We are still going to do the happy hours once a month. So at least once a month, the KG Cast Lush will be back on the show uh, doing the happy hour episode with me every single month. So, um, and all of these episodes will be labeled as far as like uh, current product pay per view review or uh, watch nostalgia watch along or uh, pop culture or happy hour. So this way you'll be able to kind of know. Uh, and if you prefer one style of show or the other, uh, you can you know just listen to those shows. If you like it all, you can keep listening to all of it. Um, but yeah, so now that we've got that our bases covered there. Uh, let's just jump right into the show here. Extreme Rules 2020. Um, let's start with the pre-show. I did enjoy the panel. Um, I like Rosenberg. I think he's just funny. 
Um, and I thought that the Devon Dudley promo was awesome. Uh, and I thought the packages were great. I love the, the, the MVP Lashley kind of connection. I know that they kind of tease getting Ron Simmons involved in that as well. Um, so that's kind of, I don't know, kind of funny. Maybe they're leading to a new um, Nation of Domination type thing, which would be pretty cool, to be honest. Um, I absolutely love the Mysterio and Rollins program. Uh, big surprise since I'm a huge Rollins mark. But I'm, I, you know, we'll get to the match when we get there. But uh, the only other, the only actual match on the pre-show is Kevin Owens versus Buddy Murphy. Well, or just Murphy now, which I really don't like. I don't like when Vince just drops guys' full name. Like when they start with a full name and then they just drop down to like a one-word name, like Murphy. I just that's. I don't know. I, I, I never liked it. I never will. Although this match was incredible. Uh, great opener, really high energy, fast paced. It wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. There was a clean finish with the stunner like at, for the win, too, which is always nice to see a pay-per-view start out that way without some shenanigans or whatever. Um, so that was nice. Really enjoyed that. I gave it a solid two and a half stars on Kevin Owens uh, versus Murphy. Uh, honestly, I will say out of both shows, between the pre-show and the main card... That was one of the best matches, period. So, you know, watch the pre-show. It's only like an hour, I think, and just scroll to, uh, you know, scroll over to Owens versus Murphy. It was great. Um, Okay, so here we are, the opening card. Uh, The main card, rather. The opening package was pretty well done. Uh, I did like it a lot. Very, very well produced. It was very different than the other packages that they've kind of put together for uh, their pay-per-views. I, I, I mean, I, I kind of cringed at the, the, the horror show or the horror night, night of horrors or whatever it was called. Um, just cause I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we're getting too comfortable with these cinematic kind of gimmicks and it's feeling a lot more like eighties wrestling to me again, where it's like, um, I don't know. It's hard to explain just the cheesiness of it. Like the, the bright colors and the, I know a lot of people are kind of like cringing right now as I'm saying this because I feel like a lot of people have said that it's just been this way for a long time in the PG era. But to me, it feels maybe I, maybe I'm just noticing it more and it's more magnified due to the you know the pandemic and then being inside the same exact space every time. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean the be- the best part of all of the opening package was definitely the Bray uh, and Braun uh, like segment. Definitely going to be cinematic, but to me that makes the most sense. Uh, especially for those characters. Um, but yeah, there was way more energy from like the, the quote-unquote crowd that they had out there. Uh, they had more people. I noticed that they were all wearing masks, which is nice to see this time. Uh, please wear your mask, by the way. Um, so yeah, it, it, and I felt like they were, maybe they were directed properly. I'm sure a lot of this was probably pre-taped, um, but it, it felt different. It di- I mean, it, it really did feel like there was more of a, a crowd there. Uh, I definitely noticed it in the, on the pre-show match, but... Um, this opening match here was the New Day versus Cesaro and Nakamura for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, and it was a tables match. Um, now, I've, I've been critical before of the AR, like the augmented reality stuff that they just like put up, because I was always like, you shouldn't do this because the crowd never reacts to it. It looks cool, but the crowd doesn't react. It's like, well, when you don't have a crowd or you have a minimal crowd or a crowd that you're essentially paying to be there... Um, this is the perfect spot to put those AR moments, those augmented reality moments, those like graphics up. I thought it made the most sense. Um, easily the best way to use that technology. And now as far as the match goes, the match was pretty much a, a straight brawl, obviously. Um, it it kind of sucks with a pay-per-view like this too because I feel like these two teams would have had a significantly better match had it not been a gimmick match. Um, I mean, because all these guys can absolutely go. Uh, and but you know them having to work within the construct of the match instead of a straight pro wrestling match definitely hurt it in my opinion. 
Um, that being said, it was it wasn't bad. Uh, it was actually it was actually pretty damn good. Um, I would would I recommend it if you haven't seen it? Yeah, probably. Will I personally go watch it again? Probably not. Uh, but I did enjoy it in real time. Also, I, I was kind of shocked that they put Cesaro and Nakamura over, becoming the new tag team champions. Uh, and that finish with the two tables and the bump that, that Kofi took, I thought it was sick. Uh, I thought that they, they there was no lack of effort by all four guys, uh, and they can all four go in the ring. So uh, to me, I gave it two and a half stars, uh, C plus to a B minus. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's, it's not, it, not necessarily a, a show stealer, um, but definitely a great, great tag team match. It's kind of cool to finally see Cesaro and Nakamura kind of get a little bit more of a push. I feel like it's so stop and go with both of them where it's like, we like them and then we don't like them. We're going to push them and then we're going to bury them. Uh, I, I just feel like that's kind of been the tale of, of both of their careers since they've been on the main roster. Um, they both had great runs in NXT, but I mean, God, Cesaro has been on for what feels like 10 years now. Uh, I'm sure it's not been that long. It's probably been like five years, maybe six years, but it just feels like that guy just get, I mean, his, his whole, he, I, I mean, how many, how many times has a guy been like repackaged more than Cesaro? You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like they don't know how to use him. I feel like both of these guys, Nakamura and Cesaro would do significantly better elsewhere AEW or Impact. Uh, Impact is on a huge come up, by the way, uh, with Heath Slater, the Good Brothers, EC3, Eric Young, all going back to um, Impact at Slammiversary. That was, I mean, that was monumental to me. Right now, um, Impact has more momentum than literally any other uh, promotion, including WWE. I'm not saying that they're anywhere near as popular as as WWE or even AEW, to be honest. But they have a lot more momentum. I feel like there's more buzz right now, specifically at this time. Now, in two weeks, that could be different. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, my, my eyes are on the lookout to Impact. So I would hope that you know, once their contracts run up, they being Cesaro and Nakamura, um, they would go to a different company because I really feel like there's a lot of options out there. Especially when when there's a level playing field like this with the pandemic, where it's like everybody kind of has to put on the same product. Like, um, you know, I think WWE was winning for so long because they had a packed arena every time, uh, and they had a built-in, you know, a built-in customer base, almost like Coca-Cola. Like you're gonna buy it because it's Coca-Cola, even if they change the recipe, it's still Coca-Cola. And WWE has changed the recipe several, several, several times, but because we're just used to it, we go to these big arena shows and that's why they stay on top. But, you know, I, I think that once the world starts to softly reopen, they're going to have to do smaller venues and they're going to have to build back up to an arena point. And I think it's going to be easier. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's going to be easier for, you know, companies like AEW or Impact to maybe swing in and like become a viable second options that aren't miles apart. Like maybe we'll actually have more of a WCW WWE feeling thing. And it's not just like NXT versus AEW, like the, you know, their smallest brand versus their main brand. Um, but yeah, moving on here. Uh, that's how I feel about those guys. Hopefully they'll, they'll figure it out. Uh, there's also like straight up commercials here on these specials, which is kind of like really bothers me, especially considering I'm paying for this, this service. Um, now granted, sure. It's nine 99 a month. It's not like an old school pay-per-view where you're paying 50 bucks or whatever. Uh, it's not like the AEW shows where you're still paying a regular premium pay-per-view price. Um, but still to have, you know, commercials in the middle of a quote unquote network, you know, special or network exclusive or whatever just feels kind of greedy, I guess. I mean, maybe they just really need the cash because they're losing so much revenue on the live business. I mean, that would make sense. Uh, the women's promo here was super, super, super silly, uh, kind of building up, um, Nikki cross. Um, and then like 
I don't know. It's kind of a comedy bit. I, I just wasn't for me at all. Uh, but the match, the next match on the card here is Nikki Cross versus Bailey for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. I thought they had a nice face-off, uh, and they definitely have really good chemistry in the ring. Uh, great commentary for this match, too. I, my hat's off to these guys. They did a really good job. Sometimes they totally missed the mark, and sometimes they kind of make a match. And in this case, I felt like they did a really, really good job. Um, it was kind of a quick false finish there early. Um, and those ladies are straight hustlers, man. The work was super crisp and natural. It didn't feel like there was any feeding at all. Um, it all made sense. Nikki got shine early and Bailey like really laid in the heat, which is kind of like the scientific recipe for a solid match. Um, I will say it went a little long. Um, I wish the Cajun cast was here to say that as well, but I'm, I'm sure he did felt the same way. Uh, the match was good though. Um, this is, uh, this is the best, um, they've, they've performed, um, like kind of playing their role, you know, because Nikki Cross was more of a heel to begin with, and Bailey has always kind of been the the, the the baby face. So I felt like this is the best Nikki Cross has played a baby face role, and this was the best uh, in ring match that I've seen Bailey play as a heel. Um, and it was great. Uh, I, I thought the, the finish was a little weird. Uh, really brought kind of the whole thing down uh, with with this with the. I mean, it just made the referee look like an absolute moron. It, I, I don't know. It just, it, I, I don't, I don't like that. I mean, Bailey cheats to get the win, which is very heelish and that's fine, but I don't mind the cheating. It was just the way the finish went down that bothered me. Um, I gave it two stars, a star and a half to two stars. So I'm going to say like a D plus to a C minus. Um, yeah, that, that's really where I'm at with that. I mean, again, like I do feel like Bailey in the heel role just feels forced to me. She seems to be settling into it better. Um, her performance is getting better. But it's still not quite where it needs to be, if that makes sense. Um, Now, that being said, I mean, Nikki Cross is kind of really proving to be a pretty solid baby face. Um, She has that sympathetic kind of vibe to her, naturally, where you're, like, worried that people are picking on her or, or, I don't know, she just has this, uh, she plays that nervous role, too, instead of, like, that crazy shaking, like, tick kind of thing. Uh, Tourette's kind of induced vibe that she had before as a heel. She kind of makes it feel nervous and anxious. And I think that's relatable to a lot of people, especially in these times. Um, so that's, I think that's a good, uh, maybe it's even a subconscious thing that she does to, to pull off that baby face role. Um, but I'm interested to see where they keep this thing going, especially, you know, now that, now that Kyrie Sane's out of the picture, um, she's not resigned and Oscar and Alexa bliss and how this all fall, you know, falls into place. But we'll get to that later on in the show. Uh, the Bray Wyatt promo was absolutely hilarious to me. Uh, the way they did it with the black and white. I mean, I, I like literally laughed out loud, which is which is always awesome. To me, he's the best actor that's ever been a wrestler in my mind, period. He's like, I think, I think if he had the opportunity, um, that dude could be a, a leading man as far as drama. I don't even mean like action star. Like, I think that dude is probably the best actor, the best I mean, he's so believable. Like, the best actual actor that maybe has ever lived in pro wrestling. Like, I, I, I'm not sure, but he's definitely right up there. Um, MVP kind of awarded himself the U.S. title because Apollo Crews missed the show. Don't really know what's going on with that, like, behind the scenes. If that was just written in that way, that's really dumb. I don't know if he had to miss it for some reason. Uh, but I know, obviously, he's been working in the Performance Center, and it's not like anything is any different. I'm not even sure that this wasn't taped very soon after the last time he was, quote-unquote, on the show. So... Feels really, really kind of lame to me. Uh, there was another package here for Rollins versus Ray, and I was so pumped for this match, man. Like, uh, even though the stupidest gimmick of all time, like, I mean, Rollins and and, and Mysterio, to me, in the ring, you don't, you're not going to get much better than that 
in the world period these days. Um, but yeah, the match itself was pretty good. Uh, the, the chemistry was fantastic. The whole thing that honestly sucked is the whole finish can't possibly be good. So you're like kind of dreading it as you're watching it. Um, and the crowd in this one felt really directed to, to, to you know, boo the heel and cheer the face. I, I don't know. I it, it felt more like a like the applause sign in those old school like talk shows. Like it, it felt very much like the crowd was directed in this one, uh, and I didn't like that. Uh, but all in all, the wrestling part of the match was phenomenal, naturally. But then we get to the weakest finish I think I've ever seen. Like it was really bad with the the vomit and like. Um, first of all, he like pushes in there and like acts sick, but there's not even like fake blood or, or anything, no blood on his hand. Like, first of all, if you push someone's eye in like that, there's going to be like projectile blood coming out. So I feel like they really missed the mark on that as far as the selling. Maybe they just didn't want it to be too gory, but then why even book this damn match if you didn't want it to be too gory, right? I mean, it just seems silly to me. It seems like... <sighs> Not even lazy booking, just dumb, bad booking. Uh, it was it was a total letdown just because of the finish, because the actual in-ring match was pretty solid. I gave it one star total because the in-ring match was good, but everything else was absolute garbage. And then, of course, later on in the show, in the backstage segment, they're already selling, like, there's a small chance that he could retain his sight. And it's like, dude, come on, man. Like, why would you even book this? Like, this is just so bad. It's so... I mean, like, late 80s, early 90s, cheese-level bad. Like, you know, close to the steroid trial, just, like, vocational gimmicks, just bad, bad, bad wrestling. When rest, when the business was in the shitter, this is what this kind of thing reminds me of. So, Bruce, just stop it with that dumb shit, man. Please, please, please stop it. Um, next up here, we have a promo package for the new Undertaker series, which I guess isn't really the new Undertaker series. It's just, like, a... He's telling story. It's almost like story time, but inside the last ride show. And I think it was just a one-off. I thought they were going to start doing it. Like the undertaker tells us stories, which I feel like would be incredible. Like you should just do 20 minute episodes of each story. Like you could easily do that. Just interview other people that were there. A lot of people would love that kind of almost like a dead man talking sidebar on that man. Conrad, bro, I know you were listening to this or at least you do sometimes. Um, Please, please figure out a way to get the Dead Man Talking podcast going because everybody wants that. Uh, we just need constant shoots from The Undertaker like all the time. That's, that's, that's all we all need, and you are the pod father, so make it happen. Yeah, man, I'm super hyped um, for this next match, though. It's Asuka versus Sasha Banks for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Um Okay, this is what I'll say. I've never been big on Asuka or Sasha Banks particularly. Um, I can understand the Sasha Banks love because I feel like she bumps like a crazy person. Uh, her offense is good, but it's not, you know, it's not, I mean, to me, it's nothing spectacular. Um, Asuka, on the other hand, I feel like it's kind of the other way around. I feel like she's got pretty great offense, but I don't really like the way she bumps. I don't like, I don't think she's a very good seller. Um, so for me, it's kind of a, this is kind of like a, a meh match starting out. Uh, and the flow, it was kind of weird too. Uh, I can't really tell who was the heel and who was the baby face. But the actual work, the in-ring work was really, really, really good. The crowd energy helped a ton. Um, honestly, I'm not, I mean, you know, I'm just not a huge fan of both ladies. But the match was really good. I was completely into it. 
Um, I really don't have anything to c- complain about. They both took some really stiff shots and harsh bumps. By the end of the match, I was totally sold on it. The finish was super dusty style, but I actually kind of liked it. Um, I like this one a lot, man. Match of the night so far for me, it got three stars. Um, solid B, maybe even a B plus from time to time. Um, in certain areas for sure. Uh, but then after, right after this match, we got back to like commercials and we actually had like two commercials back to back. It was like Applebee's and Coca-Cola, which is ironic considering I just used it as a, as a, you know, metaphor, but yeah, I mean, it would just, it just feels really, really silly and it really sucks that they're having to resort to that. Uh, the package for McIntyre and Ziggler was super, super good and I'm really pumped for it. I like the weaseling of the stipulations too. I mean... How criminally underrated is Dolph Ziggler at this point, right? I mean, that guy just cannot catch a break. Um, I mean, the dude is. I mean, I think that I think that I think that Cass really nailed it last week when we talked about it. Like, he is the Mister Perfect of our generation. Um, at the time, I mean, if, even if you look at like the wrestling observers or the pro wrestling torches of those eras, like everyone was always clamoring for him to get a, a world title run. You know, especially as a heel with Hogan, he would have been great. Um, but it just didn't happen. He never got the world championship in either of the two major companies. I know he was the AEW or AWA champion way back when, uh, don't come at me with some Mark knowledge. I am an encyclopedia. I am Mr. Know-it-all. Um, but yeah, he never really got the big one on a, on a big stage. And I know that Dolph Ziggler did, you know, he was the world heavyweight champion, but, uh, for, for a very short period of time, he's never really been trusted and pushed as the guy. Um, and I, I think that that's a mistake. I think it's too late now, but maybe not because he looks so good in the ring and he's probably better now on the mic than he's ever been before. And he's in the prime of his life. I mean, I would really love to see now though, a really strong program between AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler for that brand new IC title. To me, that would be great. Uh, I'd also love to finally just get a, a, a um, a blended match, like, or I'm sorry, a unification, a blended match, a unification match between the universal and the world champion. I think that that's the way to go. One of them has to turn heel first, but maybe we'll get, maybe Bray will win it back and we'll get Bray and McIntyre. That would be great. I wouldn't even mind Braun and McIntyre. It's just, I don't, I don't think they're going to go with a baby face, baby face match for that. Um, but if you did that, if you did, if you met merge those two, I would, I would have no problem with keeping the IC and the U S title, um, kind of, kind of like, having those there still i wouldn't i don't think we should unify those because i like the way both belts look i really like the new u.s title as well i think it looks amazing um but yeah let's get back on track here the next match match number five is dolph ziggler versus drew mcintyre for the wwe championship and man it was a brawl from the jump and mcintyre is a beast and ziggler is still the best bumper in the business i don't think anybody can convince me otherwise no one sells better than dolph ziggler period i just don't think anybody does uh, a close second might be cody rhodes uh maybe um but i still think ziggler is actually probably better in his athletic ability i think he's a- capable of doing more and the match was fantastic dude the match was great solid back and forth everything felt real and believable that reverse alabama slam that drew does is just vicious and the match was great honestly uh, um it had a much better straight clean finish than the banks and oscar match but there were times even in the match for me where i felt like wow like they might actually put the belt on ziggler they might actually they might actually do it and and 
that's really hard to do. And that's, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with the booking. That's strictly on the performers in the ring at that time. So hats off to, uh, hats off to Ziggler, hats off to McIntyre. This one was match of the night for sure for me. A solid three and a half, maybe even three and three quarter stars. I want to say B plus to an A minus. Um, I did get a little clunky, and the only honestly, the it wasn't even that it was clunky. I'm not even going to say that. I want to I want to retract that statement. The only reason to me why this wasn't an absolute A match was that there wasn't a crowd, and so the in the, some of those false finishes, you don't really get that. You don't feel that air being sucked out of the crowd as you do. I mean, I mean, again, like like the directed crowd and the hired guns, and the young boys, and the NXT, you know, guys that aren't on TV yet or whatever, performance center kids. All those guys did a great job of of trying to make it feel more hype. This pay per view was more hype than any of the other ones that have been like this. So I appreciate that. Um, but I think the only thing that this match was missing was the real true crowd response because these guys are professional wrestlers first, sports entertainers second. So I feel like they planned some spots out to get more drama out of the crowd that wasn't really there. And the crowd that was there is conditioned because they're wrestlers. You know what I mean? They're, they're training to be wrestlers and they're being directed to be loud and, and, and energetic. Uh, and I'm sure that they're, you know, they're worried about their job. You know, they want to make sure that people are watching them, you know, and, and, you know, or, you know, if, if the office is watching the people in the crowd and making sure that they're, you know, not just sitting with their hands in their pockets and they're actually yelling and participating. So, um, Sometimes that makes it feel a little forced, and in this case, it did uh, for me in this match, and that sucks because the match was great. Um, but yeah, man, again, I, th- I think that Drew Drew McIntyre, I'm loving what he's doing. I'm loving that uh, the overall energy from him. I will say that I can see him turning heel quickly um, because he kind of has this cockiness attitude that just, but he smiles about it. And so a lot of the marks love it because we know he can back it up, right? And I, I'm in the same boat, but like, you know, when you win these matches, he'll like look into the crowd and he's like, it was too easy. Or, or you know, like, it's always going to be this way. I'm unstoppable. And it's like the cockiness is really starting to come out. Maybe they maybe they're know this and they're doing a slow play with his turn. Um, but I, I mean, I, I'm interested to see where that will go. In, in my world, man, like the money is always with the, with the heel world champion, in my opinion. The money is always with the heel world champion and having different baby faces chase that title. Um, now, I know the WWE has always been a baby face territory with Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold and John Cena or whatever. But I much prefer the Ric Flair runs. You know, I much prefer the Hollywood Hogan runs. Um, now, that's not to talk about the wrestling, but I much prefer that as far as the emotion. Um I think it's just a better formula for me personally, but whatever. Um, and the best formula for Bray Wyatt seems to be these uh, cinematic matches. So here we go, man. We're going to get into the um, the swamp fight here. It's, it's ma- I guess, match number six. Um, yes, the swamp fight. So apparently, the backstage scuttlebutt is that they took, they really kind of gave Bray the reins on this um, to kind of like, uh, creatively direct where this went. I don't think Vince was even on site for the filming of this. Um, I'm pretty sure they kind of like really gave him the direction on set is what I mean. Like to, to be the actual director is, is if we were talking about a cinematic movie, like he was the director uh, kind of, kind of navigating um, how this match was going to play out. And I feel like it really benefited from it uh, because it was definitely different uh, and it was really, really, really good to me. Um, the Alexa Bliss spot was super creepy and awesome too. Um, 
man, like a, a lot, a lot of the actual swamp stuff was just so thriller kind of inducing with the water. Um, I mean, I feel like Bray Wyatt should be the only one doing these cinematic cinematic matches. It plays to his character, and if you strengthen it the right way, then you're going to have like a, a really strong Undertaker style character that you can you know live on for twenty thirty years, hopefully. Uh, and Bray, as I've already said, is the guy. His acting is phenomenal. His in ring work is phenomenal. He might be he. I will say this: he is the most underrated professional wrestler working today he's the most underrated uh and he's still i mean he's he's a main eventer he's, he's a top 10 guy i think people would at least i would hope that most people would put him in the top 10 um and i still think he's probably in the top two three maybe um you know a lot of people don't want to hear that but i think that guys like kenny omega have kind of fallen out i don't think that he's uh not that he can't do it in the ring anymore but first of all i don't think kenny omega can cut a believable promo i think all of his promos are super cheesy uh and i think that i think he enjoys that i think he likes that style of professional wrestling and that's why his promos are really outlandish and over the top. Um, but we'll talk about Kenny Omega on another time. Let's get back to the match here, the the cinematic thing here. I, I thought it was I thought it was really fantastic. The very end to, you know, with all the splashing and the breathing and the bubble up, and then all of a sudden it's the fiend. I think that they've done a really good job slow playing this feud. You know, to have an actual in-ring match with Bray, but he's Firefly Funhouse Bray with the sweater and the khakis or whatever. Um Having that be the first real interaction was good. Um, and then now that you have this swamp match, it's kind of bringing back the old Bray with, you know, the Hawaiian shirts and like the, the uh, you know, the old theme music and all that. And the sister Abigail, I think that's a cool play, especially considering, you know, the Bray Wyatt family and how, how uh, Braun really started and got on the main roster. Um, you know, we're not going to talk about Adam Rose and the, the party train, but that's neither here nor there. Um, having that experience, though, Having that feeling of, of, um, you know, not not I don't know if nostalgia is the right word, but a history of the history of these two characters and playing it out. So you have Firefly Funhouse Bray, he loses. Then you have this Swamp match, and then essentially you finally kill Swamp Bray or Cult Leader Bray, and then the very end is the Fiend, and that's how the match ends. I I, I thought it was great, man. Overall. I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give Extreme Rules a, um, a thumb slightly up from middle. Um, I, I thought the cinematic really really helped a lot, um, helped raise the grade overall for me quite a bit. Um, I thought that the Dolph Ziggler and um, and McIntyre match was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I did like the Rollins and and um, Mysterio match. Um, I thought it was I thought it was fun. I thought it felt nice, um, but then the finish was just so bad. Like honestly, to me, okay, this is this is this is the guy's honest truth. If the Bailey match had had a better finish, and the Rollins and Mysterio match had had a better finish, this whole pay per view would have got a solid thumbs up for me. Uh, but because that did not happen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a slightly thumbs up, slightly thumbs in the middle. There's, there's certain things to go back and watch the, the Kevin Owens Murphy match from the pre-show is, is, is a must watch the Drew McIntyre Ziggler match. That's my watch. Uh, and then Oscar and Sasha Banks watch those. If I have to pick one personally that you should watch is just an overall match. I'm going to say McIntyre and Ziggler. Um, if you like those cinematic style matches, if you liked the, you know, the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match, uh, the Swamp Fight was great. You're going to love that as well. Um, so that's that. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Kayfabe Comparisons. Um, we're all settling into 
the new normal. I miss the KG Cast Lush, and I know he misses you guys too. Hopefully, once the world stops burning and his job slows down, maybe he'll go back to just being in the office full-time, and we can go back to somewhat normal. Uh, but I gotta tell you, I'm excited to kind of change the format up and do some some things a little bit differently. Um, and it's nice to kind of just take the reins. I can just do this on a you know Friday morning by myself, and I don't have to worry about scheduling and kids and, and everything else. So that's nice. Uh, I appreciate you guys sticking with me as well. My name is Mr. Know-It-All Daniel John Schaefer. Please feel free to subscribe and leave me a five-star review. Uh, next week, I'm flying solo again, and I will be covering um, a request from Nick. Uh, I'm, Nick, I'm not going to try to butcher your last name, bro. Uh, he hit me up on our Facebook page, which you can too. Just find us on Facebook, Kayfabe Comparison. Hit that like button. He sent us a message and asked us if we took requests. So next week um, on the WWE Network, I'm going to cover August 29th, 1992 episode of WWF Superstars. And that one is going to be a watch-along, Nick. So this way, um, you're going to get your... Uh, your requested coverage, your requested uh, review and results for that specific episode of Superstars. And the cool thing is you'll be able to just turn on this podcast with me, count down 3, 2, 1, mute your TV, watch the show along with me, and I will give you my commentary in real time. I will give you my review in real time. So I really appreciate um, all you guys, all the listeners that have reached out through Twitter and reached out through our Facebook page. It does seem that I will see your messages more quickly if you send your request to the Facebook page. So find us on Facebook, Kayfabe Comparisons, uh, and just hit that thumbs up button. So yeah, next week is going to be WWE Superstars. The week after that, I believe, is going to be um, the pop culture episode with my buddy Justin Mose. We're going to be talking about the upcoming video games for 2020, uh, the new consoles, how that's all going to shake out, how the PC or the quote-unquote master race players are going to fit into the next generation of console players. I'm really pumped about that. Eventually, we're going to get back to movies and do like Indiana Jones stuff, the Matrix stuff. I really want to get get into that. I'm probably going to have different guests for each movie, um, but we're going to get there. And then the following week, so two weeks from this week, will be another um, happy hour, I believe. Yeah, happy hour is going to be coming at you again, and then we'll have the KG cast on that. We'll be drinking beers. We'll be doing trivia questions. We'll be yelling at each other and it'll be great just like old times that's gonna do it for us thank you so much leave us that five-star review we will see you back next week my name is mr know-it-all daniel john shaver thank you for joining my kayfabe comparisons we will see you guys next week we're out peace